Hi, it's Rabbi Jim Eagle. Thank you so much for joining me. This, uh, this particular podcast and sermon really kind of strikes close to my heart because it involves the place where I grew up, which is a little town in southwest Alabama called Monroeville. And the only thing that my town is really famous for is the book To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Uh, short, story, short side note, um, Alice Lee, Harper's sister, was my grandmother's attorney in Monroeville, Alabama. And in this particular sermon, we're going to learn a little bit about mockingbirds. And uh, we're going to ask the question whether or not we ourselves possibly become those mockingbirds in terms of how we approach that which we find inspirational today and whether we are just observing it or whether or not we are truly moved by it. I would love to hear your thoughts and comments. You can always email me at rav as in victor, jim at aol.com, or you could call me at 610-624-3441. Shalom. It seemed to be just a huge oak tree on my elementary school playground. Near the slide that had one side painted like an elephant, whenever they painted it once every 20 years, uh, the tree was near the teeter-totters and close to the merry-go-round. That is an exact replica of the one my kids play on at General Wayne Park. As we played around this ancient oak, Little did we know the story surrounding that tree that no one wanted to talk about. The oak was behind the Cannon gas station, caddy corner from an ice cream store and a shoe repair shop, at least that's what they were during my day, and almost across the road from the old junior food store. You see, the oak tree on my playground was the one in which the fictional Boo Radley hid things for Jem and Scout in the book To Kill a Mockingbird. The location of the gas station was where the creepy house supposedly stood in which Boo Radley would, with his unseen presence, strike fear into the town's children. What was just a tree on a playground to me held tremendous historical significance to others because To Kill a Mockingbird is the literary claim of Monroeville, Alabama, the town in which I grew up, the home of author Harper Lee and the book's fictionalized setting. Mimus polyglottus is the Latin name for the mockingbird. This creature has a unique characteristic found within its name. A mockingbird mocks or mimics the sounds it hears. It will repeat any sound from the calls of other birds to the sounds of alarms. You could imagine a mockingbird nest in this huge tree which towered over almost everything else around, with a wily mockingbird looking down and enjoying the confusion it causes when it hoodwinks yet another victim. As a kid, we would hear a bird call that we call Bob White's and we would whistle back and then hear the same call again. 
When the bird repeated the same call, especially when we weren't out in an open field where the Bob Whites actually lived, we were pretty sure that we were whistling with a mockingbird. This past summer was the 50th anniversary of the publishing of To Kill a Mockingbird. Half a century later, the times have changed somewhat. The people of Monroeville were never very comfortable with their claim to fame. It was kind of like a family secret that was shared by the entire town, known by the nation, but it really wasn't supposed to be discussed. The critical acclaim for the book and the impact and influence it had on modern American literature finally led some of the locals to appreciate the true value of this novel, but there was one woman, according to my mother, who refused to carry the book in her store because it lacked any literary value whatsoever. There is an acceptance of the fact that Harper Lee grew up in, grew up in and still resides in Monroeville. People are proud that actor Gregory Peck of Blessed Memory played the ethically and morally grounded attorney Atticus Finch in the movie. But are they truly comfortable with the portrayal of their small southern town and its characterization of race relations, cultural identity, and communal guilt? Have they changed that much? Have we changed that much? Or or do we find ourselves being those mockingbirds that nest in the heights, make all the right sounds, but always leave it somewhat, somewhat suspect regarding who we are? Atticus Finch, the lawyer who defended the African-American against the charge of rape, had to have a grounding in his conscience not to be caught in the chorus of the lynch mob that seemed to engulf this small town. Even amidst the torrents of emotional reactions, his character is one of those we admire. We are, we are a society that likes to admire noble people like Atticus, who stand up for what is right. But admiring Atticus and being like Atticus are two distinctly different things. The truth we must confront is that our admiration is of little worth if it does not move us to seek our better selves. We could don the same suit as this man, even hold the same beliefs about justice as he did. But the most courageous thing Atticus probably did was to walk through the streets of a small community during that trial. This character moves us towards just answers but can we aspire to be such a person and emulate and be the strength of his ethical soul? Looking the part and being the part are two different things. This is Isaiah's issue in our Haftarah for Yom Kippur. Isaiah is offended by the religious life of the people during that time. While the people pursue the appearance of religious life, they miss the point of acting, being, and living with religious conviction. They practice mimicry without understanding that if the human prophet can see through their disguise, surely God knows they are faking it. 
And to make matters worse, they want to be rewarded for the religious show they present before their Creator. We read in Isaiah chapter 58 their complaints. Why, they complained, when we fasted, did you not see? When we starved our bodies, did you pay no heed? Because on your fast day, you see to your business and oppress all your laborers. Because you fast in strife and contention and strike with a wicked fist. Your fasting today is not such as to make your voice heard on high. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 3 through 4. They are, for all intents and purposes, mockingbirds. They know how to sound as if they are religiously observant, but the changed hearts of these people, that's what's missing. The image the worshippers wish to communicate is that of deeply religious people who act with the appropriate rituals at correct times and do so while masking the business they conduct on God's holiest day. Like a mockingbird, which can fool almost everyone, they set their sights and believe they can fool God. They even believe in their own change in appearance and diet for this one day, but they miss the change required in their hearts. Their admiration and dedication to ritual is of little worth because they do these things in order to excuse God's call to a higher self. Admiration is of little worth if it does not move us to seek our better selves. The worth of admiration when compared to being our better selves was summed up at the Emmys this year. Upon being awarded the Bob Hope Humanitarian Award for his work to raise awareness of the crisis in Darfur and raising money for causes like Hurricane Katrina, the Haiti, Haiti earthquake, and victims of the 9-11 attacks, George Clooney had this to say about receiving the award. It's embarrassing because you don't want to be rewarded for doing what you're supposed to do, he said. It's a very kind thing, so you accept it, but it's very hard to take. Clooney is not the only person who's trying to use his celebrity status to take admiring fans and move them to the higher causes that are his passion. Whether it is Sean Penn's work for the Haitian Relief Fund or Brad Pitt who founded Make It Right, an organization dedicated to rebuilding 150 homes in New Orleans, these people are trying to transform the admiration of others into inspiration that leads them and others to higher callings of tikkun olam. Many people often admire and are influenced by celebrities and pop culture stars. So it is good to see celebrities who want to move others to higher actions, who want to move others to holier actions. The question Isaiah brings to us is, are we mockingbirds? Do we, like Isaiah's audience, all too readily join in a chorus of other mockingbirds, singing the same song so that we can have the illusion of knowing and feeling right, even when we might be wrong? Or worse, 
Do we extol those who are mockingbirds in our society and raise them to a greater significance because they claim to know something we don't? How many people believe that Bernie Madoff actually knew how to invest so well that he could consistently return 12% a year? People were duped into investing with this thief, and the worst part is, the person who most likely brought them into this scheme was a friend, a person who referred them to Madoff. A friend who had the best of intentions to share their in with a man who the world had claimed to be an overwhelming financial success. Of course he had to be good. He was the former chair of the NASDAQ Stock Exchange. Many people admired Madoff. People, many, so many admired Madoff. They admired him so much that today many of the people who try to drive us to be our better selves, people like Elie Wiesel, find themselves counted among the victims of this crook. What's worse is that the money that many Jewish charities gave to Madoff with their philanthropic intentions to make the world a better place, all of their efforts and wealth and intentions were reduced to nothing. Even when people like Harry Markopoulos sought to speak out by contacting the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, he was ignored. Alas, like mockingbirds, people chirped the same praises and songs. They even sought to hand over their life savings to a man who, at least as of his most recent interview, won't be doing any repenting for his crimes on this Yom Kippur. In this instance, Mr. Markopoulos, a man who sought to save Madoff's victims, is almost unknown for he is someone who sought to be a better self by singing against the chorus. We don't want to mimic, to repeat mistakes and tragedies like this, but we do. How many people have used the defense, well, other people were doing it, to justify their actions? Whether it is one of my own children or a national leader, it is wrong for us to tolerate, participate in, celebrate such actions. We become mockingbirds and ultimately will make ethical and moral decisions more and more scarce due to the cost of doing the right thing in the face of many who would tell us we're better off doing the wrong thing. Admiration is of little worth if it does not move us to seek our better selves. So how do we move to our higher selves? The first is by having your admiration turn into conviction. If you admire Gandhi or Abraham Joshua Heschel, what actions do you add or change in your daily routine? If you have admiration of others, if you have the admiration of others, do you use it like the actors to find the better selves in others and make the world a better place? Admiration is of little worth if it does not move us to seek our better selves. The better self you strive to achieve because of your admiration is what you need to find. You see, admiration must tip and transform you so that it becomes conviction. It translates into something for which you hold yourself to account. We must internalize what we applaud and then apply ourselves to the task of being more than the audience. We must also be in the dance. And that, my friends, can be scary. 
Yet when we decide that it will be our work, when we make that determination, we know that we are no longer just making the sounds, we are now making the difference. We may plead for the plight of the homeless, but how many of you will seek to help this year in IHN or participate in Habitat for Humanity? How many of us wonder about the right way to raise our children and provide the experiences we are told are the best, but struggle to say something as simple as, I love you to our child? How many of us sit through services but won't turn off our cell phones? Or will feel the need to go home and reply to emails instead of focusing on the purpose of this holy Yom Kippur day? We are living in a day and time in which we can no longer tell the difference between the sages and those who are mockingbirds, those who repeat themselves and are repeated so many times that we begin to believe that they must be right. How often have you been told to believe that the answer you were always taught was wrong, you were always taught was wrong, and they had to be right? The mockingbirds are an interesting species. But to be a mockingbird and to follow them in our society, even when they are wrong, makes us realize that admiration is of little worth if it does not move us to seek our better selves. Today, Yom Kippur, is about remembering that our better selves will not be achieved through acting out a series of rituals. If the rituals we observe today do not cause us to strive and, God willing, achieve better actions, then our words will be hollow, and we are Isaiah's audience. We are all guilty of joining in the course and going along. Today is about setting a new direction. To strive for greatness is to put ourselves in the struggle to become better, to be better, and with our actions, to make the world better by first calling ourselves to be better people, the better people we each of us know that we can be. Chatimatova, may you be sealed in the book of life. <laughs>